Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Trump has announced it. Trump has announced he is running. And I say, go for it. Welcome to Feet to the Fire, the new voice of conservative dissent. This is your host, Sergio Fassa. It is hump day, middle of the week, Wednesday. And this is a quote from last night from Marilago. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Awesome. I think it's great. And you know what? If anybody else wants to run in the primary, go for it. I think it very unwise. I don't think the Republican Party should go through that kind of divisiveness right now in a primary as we need to take back as one unified voice the White House in 2024. But it is, it's, it's an open field, an open arena, and if someone wants to run, they can. But I want you to notice what Trump said. And, and if anybody does run, I don't think they're going to beat Trump, not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. I think it'll waste all of your political capital. But I want you to notice what he's saying. I'm going to read a long quote. And this is why people love Trump. This is why he's a winner. This is also why the left does not understand him. The mainstream media does not understand him. Establishment rhino Republicans and never Trumpers do not understand him. And those people right now who are getting waffly on Trump apparently do not understand him. You know, I had a buddy of mine say, I'm, I'm having trouble getting people back on the Trump train. I don't know. I mean, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed about Trump. Nothing's changed about his popularity. As I've said so many times, by millions upon millions of vote, votes, he had the highest popular vote of any sitting president in history by millions upon millions, record-breaking, shattering all statistics back in 2020. The most popular ever. Well, nothing's changed. It's the same voting electorate. It's the same people voting. Nobody after 2020 who voted for Trump, those 74 million plus, I think it was more than that, people. 10 million more, approximately, than Obama ever got. None, none of those people have changed. What, what, what has changed? Trump hasn't been in office. He has no record since then. He's not a politician in, in, in elected office right now, nothing's changed. What, what happened to those voters? The electorate's the same. He's the same. Anybody that voted for him then, I, he hasn't been any more uh, a pr provocative since then or more rude since he's the same Trump, just as popular. And so anybody that can't get on the Trump train, I, I don't know. I, I, I question, are they, are they truly conservative? Were they ever truly conservative? Maybe they have a wife at home that's nagging them about pro-choice or something. I don't know. But to me, it's a no-brainer. Nothing's changed. But these people do not understand Trump. And so I want you to notice what he said. This is a long quote. Together, we will be taking on the most corrupt forces and entrenched interests imaginable. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in a 
we're in grave trouble. This is not, listen to this, this is why they don't understand Trump. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. See, when you really listen to Trump, I know this flies in the face of all the narratives. And some of you are naysayers out there, and you're going to laugh at this, but I'm sorry to say, you don't, you're not seeing it right. This, the reason Trump's so popular and the reason he's such a winning candidate is because in reality, it's not about Trump. And he knows that. Listen to what he said at the high point of his campaign speech last night. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. He gets that it's not about him. We get that it's not about him. It's about us and him representing our movement. The same people from 12 years ago in the Tea Party movement. The same, uh, the same heirs to the Reagan conservative revolution. It's about all of us. He goes on, this is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, grandmas and construction workers who cannot stay quiet any longer. You cannot stay quiet any longer. You are angry about what's happening to our country. Our country's being destroyed before your very eyes. Guys, he when he talks like this, he taps a nerve. He touches a nerve. And he hits it. And everybody in that room and everybody listening knows, you're right. It's not about Trump. It's about us, all of us and our movement. And he, he listen to this. He says, again, this is why they don't understand him. He said, this will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign together. And you know, when people hear him talk like this, myself included, we don't think he's blowing smoke because he said it. And then when he got elected, he did it. That's how he governed. For the first time in decades, in generations, in my lived experience as a Republican, for the first time, a Republican conservative talked the talk and then he walked the walk on behalf of the American people. When you govern the way Trump did, you're not doing it for yourself because you're getting destroyed left and right by the media and by the culture. You're doing it because you believe in America and the American people and the MAGA conservative flyover America people who you committed to represent. It's because you believe in them and you know it's not just about you and your political career. I'm telling you. He said, this will be our campaign together. The only force strong enough, listen to this, to defeat the massive corruption you're up against is you. He didn't say Trump. He said you, the American people, the American people, the greatest people on earth. We love them all. We love both sides. We're going to bring people together. We're going to unify people. This is why Trump wins and he's so successful and it flies in the face. Let me tell you, this kind of speech flies in the face of their quote, he's the biggest egotistical narcissist on earth narrative. And that is a narrative that I heartily reject. And it, this is their narrative because they do not understand Trump just like they did not understand Rush Limbaugh, just like they don't understand John MacArthur. They don't understand principled men with confidence and conviction, alpha males who stand their ground, not for their own personal ambition, but for the cause of what they know to be right. And this all, in contrast to Biden, who says any MAGA Republican is a domestic terrorist. <laughs> and, and Trump's divisive? 
Guys, why are you believing this narrative? He's not divisive. He's right. And he's popular, as popular as ever. All right, let's take a closer look at the 2022 election, which I've wanted to do and I've been putting off. And I mentioned some of it yesterday. Let's look at some of these details. I'm not hearing a lot of pundits say stolen elections, but I think it's very conspicuous. Review from yesterday. It's the same states, that's the swing states that couldn't get their counting done and swung left Democrat. Now it's the norm for counting to go on forever. And I'm, I'm asserting here, and I'll explain why, that early and mail-in voting is necessarily corrupt. I do say there was cheating in these elections, principally for the very reason that the elections are going on for days and days and days and weeks and even months, and you're mailing in ballots. And so I'll say it again, I've said it numerous times, if it's not one day in-person voting, that means necessarily cheating, stealing. The only way to not have cheating and stealing or to guarantee free and fair elections is in-person voting the day of, that's it, go back to what we used to call, remember that? We used to call them absentee ballots a mere six years ago. Absentee ballots for military only. Otherwise, get your rear end to the polling place or you can't vote. The reality is we almost lost the House. Right now, as it stands, we're winning the House by like one vote so far. We've got 218. There's four still outstanding elections. Give me a break. One vote with this economy, with what's going on, with Trump's popularity a mere two years ago, with a massive red wave in Florida, and you're going to tell me that we only won the House by one vote. And the Democrats, possibly, they held the Senate. They're going to gain in the Senate if they beat Herschel Walker, which is a joke in Georgia. And Carrie Lake now, we find out, lost. She should not concede. She needs to fight it. Follow Trump's example as a fighter. This is hard to swallow, folks. How did this happen? With Arizona's border bleeding illegals and it goes blue? And all these swing states just coincidentally swung against us again. And in Arizona, the candidate for secretary, I think it was secretary of treasurer, some, some low-level, lower-level executive office, that Republican candidate got more votes than Carrie Lake, Republican candidate for governor? Are you kidding me? So you want us to believe that they went down the ballot in Arizona and voted uh, Democrat, Democrat, Democrat against Blake Masters, against Carrie Lake. And, and, and then those voters like, you know what? By big margins, voters went, I'm going to jump the line and jump over Republican just for the secretary of treasurer. Like anybody even knows what the heck that is or what the secretary of treasurer does probably it's more statistically accurate to say people just don't even vote for that candidate either way because they have no clue and don't care. They go in, vote for the major candidates and walk out or they vote straight down. But I don't, man, hard to believe they're jumping the line for the treasury secretary. All right, from Breitbart, this was last week. Republicans have won 6 million more votes than Democrats in House races, but relatively few seats. Did you hear me? We had a surplus of 6 million votes in the popular vote count after Tuesday. Oh, but there was, there's no red wave. MAGA's dead. The Republican Party is weak. And we had a poor showing last week, even though it's 6 million more votes. 2010, in 2010, which is what we compare it to, the Tea Party Revolution, we did not even win the Senate that year, if you remember. And we called that a red tsunami. And here we got close to winning both. And I would say it's very conspicuous what happened 
that we can call it shenanigans and cheating. Now, why did we not win some of these Senate seats? Well, I want you to remember this. A lot of the seats we were counting on this cycle were Democrat incumbents. Did you know that? And it's very hard to unseat an incumbent. I've heard this statistic. It's like 95% re-election rate for incumbents in Congress, in the House of Representatives. So it's very hard. These are very powerful politicians. New Hampshire, we lost, was an incumbent Democrat. Washington, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Alaska, which was an incumbent rhino. All incumbents. So we can't freak out at that point when you necessarily, when you lose to an incumbent, because that's statistically common. Also, 2022, we had, here's the stat again, 6 million more votes than Democrats by totals and approximately a 6% overall point advantage among voters. And that's very similar to 2010, the Tea Party tsunami, when we did not even take the Senate. Now, back then we got 63 House seats. And now, right now we have one surplus. Last week I heard out there, maybe we'd have nine. Now it's down to one or two, maybe. But how many you gain in the Senate or House all depends on which districts and states are up for grabs and who and where the incumbents are. You know, so it's not necessarily that if you have a red wave, it has to be an exact replication of what we saw 12 years ago when we gained 63 House seats. Now, We had in this cycle, as Republicans, 20 Senate seats to defend, and they only had 14 to defend, which is a clear advantage this cycle for the Democrats. However, they have 23 seats, even more than we did this time. They have 23 seats to defend in 2024, 23 Democrat incumbents up for re-election, when there will be a GOP presidential candidate to help carry our candidates in the next election cycle. We had no presidential candidate on this cycle. So that's why this election cycle was a bit harder, and maybe we didn't see as much of a red wave as we wanted. That makes sense statistically. And it's a much stronger advantage for the Republicans in 2024. Also an important stat, in House races, more than in 20 20 incumbent Democrats that won in the House, more than 20 incumbent Democrats that won, the Republican challenger was within five points in this most recent election. That's a big stat, guys. As I said, massive re-election rate for incumbents in Congress, generally speaking. And 20-plus Democrats who won, the Republican challenger lost by five points or less. That's very close. That's within striking distance, and that's also within range for lots of cheating, if that was going on. And then I want you to notice the voting integrity issues and the skewed system. We're all wondering, how did Oz lose to Fetterman when Fetterman is is going brain dead? I don't know how else to say it. It's sad, but it's the reality. How did Oz lose to this candidate? I'll tell you how. Do you know Pennsylvania has the longest amount of early voting of any state in the union. That's why this is hysterical. Since 2020, now 2022, we're all like, wow, wonder which way Pennsylvania is going to go. I'll tell you which way Pennsylvania is going to go. It's going to go blue every time. They have the longest early voting of any state in the union. And how naive are we standing around every election day that comes around? Oh, gee, wringing our hands. I hope we're going to win Pennsylvania. They have 50 days of voting in Pennsylvania before election day, the longest in the country. That is almost two months of early voting. What, what do you think's going to happen? Forget, oh, voters didn't hear Oz in the debate. That, that, that's irrelevant. 
The reality is they have 50 days of running through inner cities like Philadelphia harvesting ballots. What do you think these corrupt Democrats are doing for 50 days? They're running through every dark corner of Philly, every nook and cranny, finding any breathing body, regardless of who they are, probably whether or not they're even registered, they probably register them on the spot, have them vote Democrat, collect their ballots. It's insane. The GOP can't win under these circumstances. Or it's very hard to win since metropolitan areas under Democrat control exploit all of these bizarre voter laws, lawless election policies, and so people are voting whenever. And so that's back to my assertion that anything other than in-person one-day voting is, is not legal or viable. We've got to fix this. Let justice roll down like waters, America, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Don't believe the hype out there. Donald Trump is our candidate. And if we can hope to get him over the finish line in 2024, which he has the popularity to do it, we have got to fix the elections. See you tomorrow.